19, but...
anything there.
I deserve the worst of the worst, but I keep getting the best of his best. <laughs> Whoa, glory. Whoa, glory. If you need to come this morning, please come and just thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. He's mighty good to us. The more we praise him, the more he'll do for us. He'll show himself great and mighty on our behalf. If you need to come, you come on. Our Father, this morning, Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us and being the God that you are to us. Lord, you're mighty good. You're kind, you're gracious, you're loving. You're our Alpha and Omega, the bright morning star, the counselor, the darling of our soul. Your eternal God, the faithful friend of sinners. You're God. Lord, you're our God. And we thank you for being so good, not only to just us individually. Lord, you've been mighty good to this church. Lord, you've smiled on us time and time and time and time again. Lord, when we've walked in here sideways with you, Lord, you've lined us up. <laughs> and God, we just thank you for being so understanding. Lord, you don't expect us to be God. Lord, you, God. You don't expect us to be perfect. Lord, you're perfect. Lord, you just love us and love us and love us. And I'm so thankful. Lord God, as we come before you this morning as a church, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for being so kind to us. Thank you for providing everything that we've ever needed. Thank you, Lord, for every time we've shown up in some, some way. Lord, you've manifested yourself and your goodness to us. Lord, whether it be song, sermon, or Lord, just a handshake from somebody. Lord, you've just shown yourself great and mighty toward us. And we're thankful, Father, for it. And Lord, continue adding your favors to this service. And we're thankful for everything. In Jesus' name. So let's sing on that chorus again.
have any tithes or offerings you want to give, you can bring them at this time and put them in the plate. to be here say amen in a big way amen amen <clears throat> just a few announcements and um, on april the third there will be an adult choir practice right after the morning service so remember this then on april the 16th we're going to be having an easter egg cookout over at merville park at 11 a.m that morning beginning at that time so you remember this and plan on being there with us and then on May the 22nd, Brother Bud Stiltner will be in with us all that day. So be much in prayer about that meeting that God would meet with us. I, I do want to say this. I told the Wednesday night crowd, but I want everybody to know what God did for us while we were gone this past weekend. Uh, the Wednesday night before we left, I told the church, uh, the Wednesday night crowd, that uh, the that I felt, I just felt like I needed to go. I've never been to anything like this, but I went to my 50th uh, class reunion. Never have been to any class reunions down through the years, but this was my 50th one. I graduated in 1971. It was supposed to be last year, but COVID canceled it. And so they had it this year, and it was a two-night event. The first night that we got there, uh, it was just kind of everybody reacquainting themselves with each other. And, and we were saying, boy, I'm glad I didn't marry that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were saying, whoo, uh, glad I didn't get that one. Well, no, anyway, uh, they, they were having food that night, and, and they asked me if I would uh, pray over the food. That was kind of God just beginning to open the door. And, that Wednesday night before I left and told the church I was going, and I asked the Wednesday night crowd, I said, y'all pray that God will open the door for me to be able to, to witness to my, my classmates. Well, that next night, that Saturday night, we met up, and it was all oh, it was done in grand style and, and uh, had a banquet room and more food. And, and uh, they had called me and asked me to... Uh, bring a thought or a message to the class. What about that? And uh, what, what we were doing at that particular time was honoring the ones who, of our classmates who had already passed on. Uh, I found out that there's been 80 of ours out of 288. There's already been 80 of them already gone. And so I got to stand there in front of my entire graduating class and tell them, what Jesus Christ has done in my life and how to be saved. And, uh, oh, it was, it was a thrill of my life to be able to do this. You see, I used to be the heathen of heathens 
50 years ago. And uh, I was able to, to stand there and tell him about Jesus. And the changing makes somebody's life. And I had some, some come up and comment and said, well, we've noticed a big difference in your life. I said, that's just the power of Christ in somebody's life. And I had one of them, Dr. Jim Wade, who lives up in Dakota, asked me, he said, he said, John, do the really bad sinners sit on the back row in your church? Haynes came to my, I don't know why. Haynes just, just like a light bulb exploding in my mind. And I told him, I said, no, they're all over the place. <laughs> and I said, but the worst one's behind the pulpit. Amen. But it was, it was such a blessed time. And I thank every one of you for, for uh, praying for us while we were there. We're still, I'm still getting texts and, and phone calls. I got a phone call yesterday from one of my classmates just uh, thanking me for what I said. And, all. And, and I appreciate God's grace so much. Yes, sir.
I didn't know Nicole's here. Wow. So good to see you. That's your husband? Stand up and introduce yourself. I, I don't know him. I done forgot your name. <laughs> What's your name? Eli. 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 Amen. Good to have you with us this morning. Appreciate it. Appreciate you serving the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel according to Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew. I have been preaching on, on the subject of the home for quite some a lot of Sundays, but the Lord's impressed me to take a little detour and preach a, uh, on this thought this morning, and I've preached this before here, but uh, when God nudges your heart, you need to just obey Him, so that's what I purpose to do this morning in preaching this message is just simply obey the Lord. They, uh, I remember hearing a preacher one time say, how do you know you've been successful as a preacher, and then the answer was, if you've simply obeyed the Lord, if you obey Him, you're successful. And uh, Matthew chapter 25, and while you're standing, I would have you to continue praying for my wife. Uh, she's uh, at home not doing well this morning. She's, uh, she wound up in the hospital uh, Thursday. Thursday and that last week she had two events and and on that Thursday we were able to get her to the emergency room and they admitted her did CAT scan did MRIs of her brain and all they found a small aneurysm on the front of her brain but they said that that's not anything related to what's going on with her and uh, they want to just keep a check on the aneurysm uh, yearly now and uh, it, it really concerned Debbie because her mother had an aneurysm which resulted in a cerebral hemorrhage in her mother's life. And so you pray for Debbie that uh, it was good news to know that it was not that. And it, and, uh, but they've, they've diagnosed her with BPPV, which is a, a peripheral uh, type of vertigo that is extreme. And any little movement just knocks her down. I talked to her just a moment ago, right before I walked into the auditorium. And uh, she said that she had gone into our closet and fell. And, uh, and so anyway, you continue praying for her that 
they've they've wanted they've given her a little bit of medicine and uh, she's got to undergo what they call balance therapy. So you pray for that that God would be with her through all of this. Matthew chapter twenty five. We're going to begin in verse number one and read through verse number thirteen and. I want to preach uh, this, this thought this morning, the parable of the shut door. The parable of the shut door. And the Word of God begins like this in that chapter. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Let's read that phrase again. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. I want to take these verses and preach on the thought of the parable of the shut door. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful for what you've done in all of our hearts already. Lord, this has been a good meeting, and it's all been because of you. Lord, the choir has sung exceptionally. The congregation has enjoyed the singing, and Lord, every one of us, Lord, have just enjoyed the presence of God. And Father, as we settle down now with the preaching of the Word of God, Lord, I can't do this without you. Lord, my mind is, is in a thousand different places. It's on my wife. Lord, it's on other things. But I'm praying, God, for a little while that you'd use me. Lord, to minister the Word of God to these dear people. Lord, I love these people. I'm asking, Father, for the, for the touch of God to be upon my life. God, that you'd help me for a little while now. And we're thankful for what you'll do in Jesus Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen and amen, amen. You can be seated. Appreciate you standing. <clears throat> I want to show you something about the, before we get into this message this morning. That when, when we read in Matthew chapter 25, this parable... I want you to notice how this chapter begins. It begins with the word then. So this is a continuation of something that Jesus has been talking to the people about. I want you to go back into chapter 24 and look with me in verse number 3. 
And the disciples come to Jesus with some questions. And it says in verse number 3, And as, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And look at it, of the end of the world. Now Jesus begins teaching them about their questions. Notice in verse number 8, he talks to them about the beginning of sorrows. He talks about things which we are experiencing right now in our world. He tells about things that are going to be happening that are, that are being portrayed and played out as we live and breathe right now. And he talks about wars and rumors of wars. And we're living these words today, the beginning of sorrows. But then notice beginning in verse number uh, 21, then he goes into another time of where he calls it the great tribulation. He said, there's coming a time on this earth like has never been before that this world has never experienced or seen anything like it. And Jesus calls it the great tribulation. Notice he goes on and then he, he in verse number 29, verse number 30, uh, he talks about the coming of the Son of Man. He's, he's building and in chronological order, he's telling them and uh, answering their question about what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Notice in verse number 35, he ends it with this. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We can depend on what this book teaches us. We can depend in, on every word of God that is written in the word of God. We can, we can know for a surety that everything else that we know of one day will pass away, but the word of God shall stand. Then Jesus begins in chapter 25, carrying on that thought and answering their questions. He said, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened. And he begins what is known as a form of parable teaching. A parable is a, a story that Jesus, it's a, it's, a, it's a means of teaching that Jesus used to get across a heavenly truth by telling an earthly story. To relate and, and to reach the people that are before him. Jesus is wanting to uh, tell them some things about, about heavenly truth, about spiritual truth. But he realizes he's got to reach them by teaching them an earthly story. And then he begins teaching about these virgins. Jesus used this form of teaching all through his ministry. Remember, it was the story of the lost sheep and the shepherd going and looking. And what he was teaching was a heavenly truth, but he was using an earthly story to, to relate to the people before him. He went on and taught about a woman who had lost a, a coin, a piece of coin. And he was teaching a heavenly truth, but he used an earthly story. Then he went on in that same chapter and he talked about a father who had a wayward son and he was able to teach a heavenly truth to the people before him through an earthly story. Now Jesus is using that same form of 
parabolic teaching to teach us a heavenly truth. And the truth he's trying to get across to these people is that he is coming back and they better be ready. And can I say this to every person in this auditorium this morning? Jesus is coming back and you better be ready. I want us to look at this at this parable this morning and I want to break it down into four thoughts and, and try to preach it as God leads me this morning and pray that God would use it in all of our lives this morning. First of all, I want us to notice the commonality of these ladies. The commonality of these ladies. They were all virgins. And I thought about that and, and asked God to show me what that was talking about. And that just references this common thing that all of us have in common. I mean, whether you're male, female, rich, poor, black, white, it does not matter. We have one thing in common, and it is this, that we are all sinners in the eyes of God. Every one of us are sinners Listen to me, in the eyes of God. You may be a pretty good Joe in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Before the world ever touches any one of us, we've all sinned uh, by nature. We're sinners by choice and we're sinners by practice. And the proof of that is you moms and dads know this to be true. You do not have to teach a child to lie. You do not have to teach a child to, to do something mischievous. You don't have to teach a child to disobey you. You don't have to teach a child to pitch a tantrum and, and, and stomp their feet and say no. I mean, it comes natural. To, why? Because we all have a nature about us and we're all sinners, listen to me, in the eyes of God. We better get that focus in life. We better realize that truth, that God is the supreme judge. It's not the man sitting behind the bench, an earthly bench that we better be concerned about. It is God Almighty and He is the one who said we're all sinners in His sight. They were all virgins, but I want you to notice this. They all had lamps. In the Bible days, a lamp was a very valuable thing. Every person owned and possessed a lamp. You couldn't function throughout a nighttime season without a lamp. And every one of these virgins, every one of these ladies had a lamp. You know what that's speaking of? That's speaking of this, that every one of us have something very valuable in our lives. And it is our souls. Every one of you sitting here this morning has something inside of you called a soul that is going to live somewhere forever. Whether it be in heaven or in hell, your soul is going to exist somewhere forever. We all have a soul. And the soul is the most important part of your life. I read one time that if we were to take our physical bodies and, and melt them down and put them on the auction block, they'd be worth about a dollar and 57 cents. That's how much you are worth physically. But inside of you is an eternal soul. And Jesus said it like this. He said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. You see your soul is important. 
Your soul is valuable. That's the eternal part of you. you the real you is on the inside looking out of, at me. And we, have, we all have a soul. But I want you to notice this. Not only were they all virgins and they all have a lamp, but they all were headed to the same event. Every one of them were going to go to see the bridegroom. Every one of them. And whether you're lost or saved, it does not matter. Uh, we know that all the saved are going to see Jesus one day, but also all the lost are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You will see Jesus one day. We need to realize this today. All will see Jesus we're all headed to meet the bridegroom. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Beloved, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. In, in Revelation chapter 19, the word of God tells us about Jesus Christ. Have you ever read about him? Have you ever read about this man called Jesus? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 11, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. That is the Jesus that you are going to see one day. We're all headed to the same event. Every one of us are going to see Jesus one day. But I want you to notice this. Another common thing with all of these ladies is that they all slumbered and slept. They all slumbered and slept. The, the devil has rocked this world to sleep. They don't realize what days they are living in. They don't understand the seriousness of the hour. They're more worried about Wall Street and Washington. They're more worried about Congress and, and President Biden. They're more worried about all the affairs of life. They're worried about putting money in the stock market, putting money in the bank account. But let me say this, that one day Jesus is coming back and you better be ready. It does not matter how much money you've got in the, in the bank. It doesn't matter how many friends you've got on Facebook. The most important thing is in life is not how many likes you get on a post. The most important thing is that you are right with God Almighty. Amen. And the only way to be right with Him is by trusting Jesus Christ, His Son, the Savior. You can go to heaven with, without money. You can go to heaven without friends. You can go to heaven without good, good health. But you'll never go to heaven without Jesus Christ. Nobody will ever go to heaven without Jesus Christ. And not only were, the, were the, un, the foolish asleep, so were the wise representing the church. The church is going to sleep today also. We walk by people every day of our lives. We see people on the corners. We bump into people. We work with people. 
We sit side by side with them and we never talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say this? That the church needs to wake up. The Bible tells us that it is high time for us who are saved to wake up. For our redemption is closer than we were when we first got saved. And can I say this? The church better wake up and better get busy. Because Jesus is coming. And the, the family member that you love so much. Or, or that person that you work with may die and go to hell. And we may be the only person that can stand in between them and their destiny of hell. Can I say this? That. We need to wake up as a church and start telling people about Jesus Christ. We need, to, we need to wake up. That's the commonality of the ladies. But I want us to notice, secondly, the contrast of the lamps. The Bible says that five who were wise had oil and five who were foolish had no oil. I mean, that is a foolish thing to carry a lamp with you around with no oil. I mean, you got to admit, that's pretty foolish. And they, there they were, they had their lamps and they had no oil, nothing to make them effective. You know what the oil is a type of? The oil is a type of the, of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us clearly that if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. If the Spirit of God is not living inside of you, you are not saved. I don't know how to put it any plainer. I don't know how to put it any more bolder. I want Did you know that this world just thinks that death is a magic transformation that all if somebody dies, they automatically get right with God through death and they go to wind up in heaven? That's not how this thing works. You must do something. You must have something in your possession before you die from this world. Or you'll die without God and die and go to a place called hell. Have you ever read about hell? Hell is a place of fire. It's a real place. It's in the heart of the earth. And the Bible plainly describes for us and teaches us that every person that dies without Jesus Christ, their soul leaves their body and they go to the heart of the earth and they're in the place called hell forever and ever and ever and ever. They're crying, they're screaming, they're, they're uh, in torments uh, and they'll never, never, never get out. Hell is an awful place for somebody to wind up in. I'm sure if we could, if we could open the lid of hell, if we could hear, if we could run a microphone down into the depths of hell and listen to the testimonies of people who have died without God, I bet you that the majority of them would say this, I never, I never meant to come here. I meant to get saved one day. I meant to get my heart right with God one day. I did not. I never thought that my life would wind up in a place called hell. I never dreamed that I'd be burning. I never dreamed that I'd be on fire. But it's a reality in millions and millions and millions of people's lives. Because they had no oil for the lamps contrast of these lamps was five was wise and five were foolish see back in bible days if you didn't have a lamp you couldn't you couldn't get around at night you couldn't function as a human being at night 
You just stumble along through the nighttime and have to feel your way through. And that's what it's like for every lost person who's ever, who, who is lost today. They're just stumbling around life. They're just ambling through life and trying their best to make it for one more, one more hour, one more day, one more week. Many of them just one more drink, one more toke of marijuana, one more hit of dope. That's all that they're looking for is just one more, one more, one more. And they're just ambling around in the darkness of life. No, oh, I want to tell you that there's a better life to live. Oh, there's so much a better life to live and His name is Jesus Christ. There's no other way to have the true happiness outside of Jesus Christ. Everything that you've ever looked for in life is found at the foot of the cross. Everything that you need in life is found in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. The contrast of the lamps. You know the Bible's always contrasting people. It talks about the Godly, the ungodly, the saved, the lost, the diligent, the slothful, the ones in heaven, the ones in hell. I'm glad that we have a book that tells us the truth. I'm glad we have a Bible that is still being preached around the world to tell people the truth about their condition. I remember before I got saved, I, I, I didn't like preachers. I was a mean man. I didn't like preachers and if, I ever got, if one ever got around me, I was going to say something ugly or try to be mean to them. Just to, and all, that was my sin nature. I was trying my best to get, them, to get them to go on. I didn't want them around me. I mean, that's my test. That's who I was. I didn't like preachers. I didn't like church. I didn't want, I didn't want nobody talking to me about God. I didn't want God in my mind. I didn't want God in my life. Boy, I was lost on my way to hell and little did I know there was a God in heaven that was loving me. Little did I know there was a God in heaven that loved me so much that He sent His Son to die for me. Oh, the one who rejected Him, the one who was mean to His preachers, the one who hated His church, He sent His Son to die for my sins, for me, for me, for me. And I'm enjoying God's goodness today. Why? Because of what Jesus did for me. If you don't have the oil, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not saved. You're not saved. I heard just earlier this past week of a friend of ours, 50 years old, that died 50 years old, gone. All of us remember Barbara West. Miss Barbara, I'll never forget her standing in the, in the choir loft. She was standing right by, beside Michelle. Michelle. They were standing there, and, and me and Debbie were sitting out there. It was during the revival, I believe we were having. And, and we watched Sister Barbara. You could just see something come over, something wasn't right. And uh, Sister Barbara got this funny look, and she started leaning over. And finally, she sat down, and the next night, it happened again. She went in and was, had all these tests run and found out that she had an aneurysm on her brain. And she was scheduled to have a procedure June the 20th. And she died Memorial Day unexpectedly. 
You know, death is something that we must all consider because death is a part of life. I mean, it, death has death is no respecter of persons. Death will walk right past somebody that's sick and, and old and go touch somebody that's well and young. Death is no respecter of people. Death is mysterious that way. And death will just... Out of nowhere, just claim your life and there's nothing you can do about it. You're dead. And Jesus Christ said, you better be ready. You better be ready. The contrast of the lamps. I noticed that those, those foolish virgins, they came running when they heard the cry, the bridegroom's coming. When they heard that cry, they ran to those wise ones and said, hey, can we have a, your oil? Listen, you can't get to heaven just because you know somebody that's saved. You can't get to heaven just because you sit beside somebody that's saved. You've got to have the oil yourself. They went running to those wise virgins. They said, can we have your oil? Listen, those wise virgins were not being mean. They were being wise. They said, you've got to go get it yourself. You got to be saved. Jesus Christ looked at one of the most religious people on planet earth. And they had asked, he had asked him some questions. And Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. How would you like to sit in front of Jesus Christ and him look at you with those fiery eyes. And him tell you, you, you better get right. I'm here to tell you this morning. That even though, even though you may be in church does not make you a Christian. Just, just having your name on a church roll does not make you saved. Because you've been baptized doesn't make you right with God. You can get baptized by every, and go to every baptism. You can go to the lake and get baptized in every creek that this lake has. And still die and go to hell. The only way to be saved is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ being applied to your life the contrast of the lamps but then the coming of the Lord this bridegroom represents Jesus Christ and you may be sitting here this morning you may be thinking I've heard that stuff all my life I've heard about Jesus coming all my life and he ain't come yet we're closer than we've ever been you better believe this that book is true and he came the first time and when he came the first time, he came as a lamb and he came and he, and he showed them who he was. He did miracles among them. You know what they did the first time he came? They mocked him. The first time he came, they spit in his face. The first time he came, they beat his back. The first time he came, they put spikes and nails through his hands and his feet. The first time he came, they crucified him. And I've thought about this. I've thought about people say, well, if, if I could just see Jesus, I'd believe in him. No, you wouldn't. Whenever he was here on earth, they saw him. And they crucified him. The Bible says he came unto his own, his own received him not. You have to believe in Jesus Christ by faith. By faith. And that's the only way to be saved is through the faith. You know, I got the thing about this too. 
We're in the month of March. You know what we've always said about March? If it comes in like a lamb and to go out like a lion, where do we get that from? When Jesus Christ came the first time, he came as a lamb. But when he comes back the second time, he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's not coming for people to slap him around then. He's not coming to be crucified again. He's not coming as the meek and lowly Nazarene then. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming back to exact vengeance on them who know not God, the Bible says. And we better realize this one thing, that Jesus is coming soon. The Bible says, the Bible says, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. You've got to prepare to meet Jesus Christ. There's something you've got to do. You've got to trust in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. When they put him on the cross... And they, they nailed those nails through his hands and he started shedding that blood. That blood that he shed was for your sins. That blood that he shed was because you're a sinner, but he loved you that much because that was the only way for you to ever be forgiven. And Jesus Christ hung on that cross and they had beaten him beyond recognition. Blood, I heard one preacher describe it like this. He said, he said, if you were to be at the cross that day and were to go around that cross 360 degrees, no matter what angle you looked at up at him, all you would see would be blood. 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 He was beaten beyond recognition to look at him on the cross. You'd never recognize him as a, as a person. They had beat him beyond recognition. But he was shedding that blood for you. He was shedding that blood for your sins. And he died. And he died. And right before he died, he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He died and gave up the ghost and they buried him. But here's the good news of it all. On that third and glorious day, Jesus got up out of that grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he's alive to save whosoever. And the Bible teaches us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, shall, shall be saved. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. I'm glad I called. And I got in on the greatest thing that's ever been offered to man. And that's the salvation of Jesus Christ. The coming of the Lord. Dr. John R. Rice one time told of witnessing uh, to an elderly man after a funeral. He said he'd preached that funeral service and said that at the funeral service, Dr. John R. Rice gave an invitation. And during the invitation, this elderly man in the, in the, in the congregation raised his hand that he was lost. And he was witnessing to the man after the service. And he said, I saw you raise your hand. You need to be saved. He said, yes, but I just really don't understand it. He said, well, it's real simple. God supplies the Savior. You supply the sinner. And the old man said, well, that's simple enough. I can surely supply a sinner if God will supply the Savior. And he believed on Jesus Christ right there after that funeral service and got saved. It's not hard to be saved. 
But we, our nature, our sin nature makes it hard. Jesus Christ made the way open and clear and plain. And all we've got to do is believe in Jesus Christ and call upon his name. I don't know about where you were at when you got saved. A lot of, a lot of people got, Brother Terry got saved when he was six years old, right? Six years old. He didn't have the multitude of sin in his life like I did at the age of 29. I mean, I had, I had so much sin, I was ashamed of what I've made out of my life. And I was, I was so ashamed, I was tired of who I was. I was tired of what I'd become. I was tired of what sin was doing in my life, and I just simply came. And I said, Lord, please forgive me and please save me. And you know what? He did exactly that. But here's my last thought for the morning. Not only do we see all these things, we see the closing of the latch. This parable is about a lot of different things. But the one thing I don't want you to miss about this parable, that door was shut. Let me illustrate it. Simple, just as simple as can be. The door is open right now. The gospel invitation is open to whosoever. And anybody that hears and desires and wants to can be saved and go through the door. But one day, And nobody else will ever go through that door. Nobody else. One day the door is going to be shut. And then can you imagine what it was like in the days of Noah? They were out there building that ark, Brother Titus. And I can see him and his boys out there. How many, how many years they labored and got the lumber together and got the pitch uh, made and, and just right. I, I don't know. But can you imagine them out there building that ark? And, and as they built that ark, there was this great big opening on the side. No doors were made for it at that time. It was just a big opening. And there Noah and his boys were, and they were laboring, they were building. And then one day they had to make the doors. And they made two huge doors and set them on the hinges that they had made and and set those doors in place. And the doors were open. The doors were open. And can you imagine building a boat without one cloud in the sky? Everything going good. Everything. Nobody had even. It had never rained on planet earth. Up until then. And then one day. God called Noah and his family into that ark. And this is what the Word of God says. They went in and God shut them in. Can you imagine as the rain began falling? Can you imagine as the waters began rising? People on the outside of that ark banging on the outside of that ark. Let us in! Let us in! Let us in! 
And there was not one thing that Noah or his boys could do about it. For God shut the door. Sis, you come on to the piano. God saved me. I was 29 years old. And God saved me. And I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord showed me what he showed me and I got saved November the 21st, 1982. Best day of my life was the day that he saved me. I got saved and after I realized what, had, what all had begun happening, I asked my wife one day, we were standing in the kitchen. She was at the sink and I said, honey, I got to ask you something. I said, are you saved? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I'm fine. You don't have to worry about me. I'm okay. I said, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're saved. After that, God began his work of working in my heart and called me to preach. <laughs> That's something, ain't it? I didn't even like preachers, so he called me to be what I didn't like. Pulled a big joke on me, didn't he? And uh, I got saved in 1982. I quit the railroad in 1985. 1988, seemed like my life always went in three years. 82, 85, 85, 88. In 1988, I started a church in my hometown of Waycross, Georgia. Opened a little old storefront building and just wanted to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We wanted to tell people about Jesus. Started a church there in Waycross, Georgia. The day we opened it up, 68 people walked through the doors and started coming. And I'll never forget the very first person that walked the aisles, bowed their knees at an old-fashioned altar. She was a Hispanic lady. And she came down and she got saved by the grace of God. <clears throat> My wife was just a champion through all of that early part of me preaching. My wife just right there. People would go to the altar. My wife, like y'all have seen her do so many times. I've wondered how many miles my wife has put in from where she sits to the altar and back wonder how many miles my wife has put in down through the years going and praying for people my wife would go and pray with somebody and go back and sit down in the seat about I think it I know Deb's watching she told me she'd be watching this morning I think it was six years after I started preaching I may be wrong about that I don't mean to be wrong but my wife got under conviction that something was wrong in her life. Something was missing. Long story short, on a Wednesday night during a Thank God I'm Free revival, my wife walked the aisle and said, John, I'm lost. I said, honey, there's the altar. Get saved. And my wife got saved by the grace of God. You see, she had to do it herself. Nobody else can do that for you. 
Nobody else can do that for anybody. You have to get saved yourself. All through chapter 24, Matthew. All through chapter 25, Matthew. You know what it, Jesus says? For in a day and an hour as you think not, I'm coming. Be ye ready. That's what he's saying. He says, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready because I'm coming. And one day when he comes, that door is going to be shut and it'll never, 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 never be opened again. Jesus is coming. As we stand across the auditorium, I've preached what God's put on my